Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it wasn't necessarily an official confirmation that I was getting it um, a couple of days before, but, you know, of course I knew um, Talbot uh, wasn't feeling at his best, so um, I knew that there was a chance of it. So, I mean, it didn't change a thing. Uh, no matter what the circumstances, I've been preparing as if I was going to play. That's Laurent Brassois, the backup who will start in goal for the Edmonton Oilers, while Cam Talbot, the team's number one goalie, recovers from an undisclosed injury. The injury to Talbot comes at a critical time for the Oilers, who heading into their home game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on November 30th, sit five points back of a wild card playoff position, with five other teams ahead of them also in the hunt for that spot. More losses now could very much bury any hopes the Oilers who finished second in the NHL's Pacific Division last year with 103 points, have to make the playoffs this time around. I'm Derek Van Deest. I'm Rob Tchaikovsky. I'm Jim Matheson. I'm Craig Ellingson. I'll talk to these hockey beat writers about the Oilers and their situation in this, our Oil Spills podcast for November 30th, 2017. Now, heading into this game against the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, you know, November 30th, by the way, if you're keeping track on the calendar, um, the Oilers are coming off two games they've won. I mean, albeit the last game against the you know Western Conference's last place team in the Arizona Coyotes, and they did uh, have a couple of crossbars to thank in overtime for helping them out. Um, how have the Oilers been playing as of as of late? better than maybe a week ago i don't know better it's all relative i you know i don't know i i guess we're critiquing a win last game and we should probably be doing that considering they had not won you know two games in regulation all season and we're we're bad mouthing a crappy win against the arizona coyotes but they did win it so ah, they're playing better the games they've won they haven't given up very many goals it's 6-2 against detroit 4-2 against boston 3-2 against Arizona and even the loss to um, Buffalo, they only gave up two regular goal, regular goals and an empty netter. So they're cutting that down. I don't know. I, I I can't get a read in the team, and I'm sure 
I'm not being paid to coach, and, I'm, and it's it's the coach's job to get a read on the team, not the media. So I'm sure he doesn't know from game to game either um, how his team's going to play. Yeah, that's kind of half the problem is sometimes they look okay, sometimes they just look totally disjointed and somewhat disinterested. And lately the quality of opposition has been pretty low. So, you know, by comparison, the others have looked okay, I guess, when we – when they run into you know slightly better teams, you know Toronto tonight, Calgary uh, up ahead in the future will get a better read. But uh, I mean, they have to answer that question in the affirmative very quickly because if they don't, it's going to be a long last fifty some odd games. Yeah, I think the issue is the inconsistency. Like the, in that Boston, that first period, I thought it was a very good first period against Boston, even though they gave up a goal. They they, they were they were played with some urgency. They came they were coming at Boston. They, they they rolled the lines really well, and you can sense they had some jump in that game. With other games, they just looked flat. In Arizona, they just looked flat. They looked disinterested, and it got to a point where you really you're going to lose to the 31st place team in the league. Like, there was no urgency in their game, and for whatever reason, they. They can't put two of those games back to back together, and they don't have that urgency every game. and And they should. They should look at themselves and go, "Well, we're basically in, we have to win most of our games now. We put ourselves in such a huge hole." Uh, and I think that's the most frustrating thing is that they don't seem to play with that urgency. If it's not Connor McDavid doing it, and no one else is doing it. And I think that's one thing that the Oilers have the issue right now is that they have to realize the situation they're in. And they have to do something about it, and sometimes they just don't seem like they're, they they do they do, and that's. I thought last year they were a cocky team. They started mm-hmm. well, even if they had a losing streak in November. They were a fairly cocky team. They played cocky, like okay, beat us. This year they got in a hole, and I don't. There's that there hasn't been any cockiness whatsoever to their team. That won't come until they win, if if they ever do win four, five, six in a row, and then also beat some good teams in there, like like a Toronto. Uh, like a Calgary, and then they can say, okay, we've got a little bit of the swagger back, and now we can go from there. But until they get that, it's going to, you know, it's, it is the old proverbial, you know, one step forward, two back, because, uh, you know, they just can't gain enough traction to, to uh, you know, be in a better spot looking for a wild card. On, on paper, it looks not bad being about five points out or so, but there's so many teams between them and that five points, it's uh, difficult. You know, you, you know, as you guys and anybody watching the team, looking for reasons why. Why is this team so flat, so inconsistent, when last year they were cocky and were stringing together wins, you know, especially early in the year. they were Obviously, they finished where they finished last year with 103 points. But, you know, I just am com- I think, at least I hope I am coming off a cold here, which f- has plagued me for the last month. And, you know, McDavid and Talbot. I mean, but I know, uh, McDavid, the team has said he's had the flu. Is that a good excuse? Hey, everybody, half the team's got a cold, so of course we're not 100%. Or is there enough pseudoephedrine going around that everything should be okay? Or I don't know. I guess that is the big age-old question. Why is this team playing the way it is? Well, in St. Louis, that loss to St. Louis, I, you know, that was a question that you had to present because no one had any energy that game. They were they were just going through the motions that game, and no one seemed to have any energy. And unfortunately, when... When you're on the bus and you're on the plane and you're around the guys all the time, if someone gets a virus, it's going to be passed around the room. There's not much you can do about it. You can do whatever you can to try and contain it and tell a guy to stay home and this and that. But when you're in those enclosed places like like a plane, like a bus, uh, those things go around. And I think it, it's going around now with the Oilers. And um, who knows who's going to get it next. But it, it does sap a lot of your energy out. And I think 
there were some games on that road trip particularly where they looked like they didn't have any energy. I don't think I'd blame the, uh, the flu in St. Louis. They played against a really good team and looked like a terrible team. Whether they were sick or not, I don't. They'd have been healthy. They'd have lost that game. I don't think that's a, a, a crutch myself. And you know, I don't. I don't. Their position in the standings has nothing to do with them having the flu. I'm sorry. Uh, they 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 didn't lose a lot of pieces, but they lost sort of pieces that they can feel. Like Everly, for all his warts, is 25 goals. You know, that's a goal every four games. If the others had a goal of, you know, one more goal in each one of their last four games or every four games since the start of the season, they'd be three or four wins ahead. You know, Pouliot, for all his faults, was a decent penalty killer. Their penalty killing's been terrible. Uh, Talbot isn't as good as he was. McDavid is, hate to say it, not as good as he was last year. And just the overall confidence of the group, like Maddie said, they had that swagger. They don't have it anymore. They've been down one nothing in 17 of 25 games. They've been playing catch-up you know, in every game, and they've been playing catch-up the whole season. And that, that, that weighs on you mentally, when especially... You know, they, they don't want to talk about the expectations of being a Stanley Cup favorite and everything, but they came into the season being expected to be good, and then here they are in 29th. I mean, that's that's hard on your psyche. It's hard to go to the rink every day saying, like, we're, you know, we're supposed to be cup contenders, and here we are looking at the draft lottery. So, I you know, it, chicken and an egg kind of thing. The confidence is gone because they're not playing well. They're not playing well. It's hard to get the confidence up, but it's it's just not a good situation right now. I don't. Th- I think it's the most disappointing team in the National Hockey League. I don't know if we could look around to see any other team and say, oh, they're in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, there's only two worse. So. You know, <laughs> to, for where they were last year, it's the most disappointing start of any team in the National Hockey League. I don't think. Yeah. You know, there's there's the other the flip sides with the Vegases and places people teams like that how well they've played, but the Oilers are the most disappointing team. And, you know, I. I just look at their team. The league keeps getting faster, and the Oilers just don't seem, uh, on a lot of nights, as fast or as quick as the yeah. other team they're playing against. And I agree with Rob. They get down in the game, and then they have to dig in and try to fight back. But they don't. They don't seem to skate a whole lot of teams, yeah. and you still get these teams coming in to play the Oilers, and they always say the same thing: "Oh, they're fast." And in the days before Peter Shirelli got here, oh, they're fast and skilled, and 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 also small and and mm-hmm. so we got bigger and i don't know their speed their overall team speed outside of mcdavid and a few others isn't the equal of of some teams they're playing against but you know when we were i saw you tweet out rob uh which game was it in the last week on the road obviously but right after the game on a separate sportsnet channel you could watch one of the playoff games right. orders and ducks and you know, just and I saw that too, and I thought I saw your comments. You know, to the effect of, "Wow, what a difference six months makes." I mean, they didn't have a problem with team speed against Anaheim or San Jose, or last year for that matter. Here we are a year later. Connor McDavid isn't even twenty-one years old yet. You know, never mind the rest of the ca- the cast of characters. You know, I don't know. I mean. I was going to make a bit of a joke and say, you know, it wasn't lost to me that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are, are in the standings where maybe the Oilers should be, and they have Matt Hendricks on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, what about glue guys? Who are the glue guys in this team? So it's, uh, it should be a source of embarrassment that the Vegas Knights taking everybody's table scraps and put together a team that's way up ahead of the Oilers in the standings, and you've got McDavid and you've got Dreisaitl, and you still can't, you still can't get it going. There's something... You know, they say it isn't chemistry. I don't know. They they don't have the same mojo. That's a, that's a hundred percent certain. They don't have the same confidence. They don't have the same swagger. They're they're not the same team. 
And again, it comes from missing a couple of key parts and a couple of key ingredients. I mean, your goalie's not playing as well as as he needs to be. Your you know, Secker is out. Clefbaum is is a shadow of what he used to be. You know, th- that's a huge part of any team. If your goalie and two of your top three defensemen are either out or playing poorly, it's really tough to get any traction from that. So, I think it kind of starts there, and then it just leaks into sort of confidence and slumps and expectations and you know everything. I, I think there's something to that Hendricks thing. I think Hendricks last year, he, he may not. He was one of those guys that the whole team pulled for. The whole team wanted him in the lineup. They wanted him to play because they knew that he gave everything every night. And he was a guy that r- rookies could go to and, and talk to and sit down and, and confide in. And I don't know if the owners have that guy anymore. I don't know if they have that guy that everyone's rooting for, that, that they hope is in the lineup, that they want him to play, and that they can pull aside and say, hey, we need – we need this big brother figure in the room, and they don't have that right now. Perhaps they thought Milan Lucic could take that that role, but I, I don't think he's he, he has. And and yeah, there might be something to be said about because the chemistry is not the same in that room that it was last year. Last year, those guys it looked like they'd go to war for each other. This year, it looks like they're all pulling in different directions. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, of course, Talbot being one of the players that's not playing up to you know the level of last year. And, uh, of course, today we discover he's now on the injured reserve list for at least two weeks. So he'll miss, you know, a, a clutch of games here. Um, and he's has he been playing with an injury for the last few games? Um, and he has been playing better recently. He's been playing better recently. It's too bad. The last three mm-hmm. starts he's had, he's only given up two, six goals. So right. he has been playing better. But, you know... It, the old, the whole, sure, this whole city is is talking. Oh, woe was us again! You know, now their goalie's out. I mean, Carey Price was out for weeks and weeks in Montreal, and Montoya, the backup, wasn't playing. And they called up a guy named Charlie Lindgren and from the minors, and he was good in front of a team no better than the Oilers. And you know, Pittsburgh's got Matt Murray out for a month with a leg injury, and Tristan Jari, who's uh, even a more raw rookie than Laurent Bossois. And they got to play him, so you know backup goalies have to play sometimes, and mm-hmm. you know let's see what he's got. And I'm sure if you're the general manager of the team, you're saying, okay, let's see if this guy is any good. Mm-hmm. And if he's not any good, well, we better find an older backup in case Cam gets hurt again, rather than a young backup. And if you're Laurent Bassois, you're probably saying to yourself, okay, don't screw this up, because normally he'd be playing every fourth or fifth game, but now he's going to have to play, you know, maybe half a dozen games in a row. And, you know, this is his chance. The backups don't get much chance. And Cam Talbot got it in New York when Lundqvist got hurt. And he was able to play for two months. And he worked that to get to the Edmonton Oilers. Backups need chances to play. And they don't pull for the starter to get hurt. But the starter is hurt. Now right. let's see what he's got. Well, looking at Vegas, their goalies were going down like spinal tap drummers. And they, they, they found a way to get through it. Like, it's, it's part of the team. You can't just put uh, some guy in there and say, oh, cross your fingers. Because if our starter goes down, we're dead. It's a position that it has to be a solid guy in that position. And if they're sitting there with Lauren Bersouan and they're still not sure what he's about, that's on them. That's on the organization. Like, you should have given him more games last year. You should have found out exactly what you had. And if, if he's good enough, then fine. It's no big deal. And if he's not good enough, get somebody who is. But for him to be a question mark this far along in the, in the evolution, is that's on the Oilers. And if, and if he's not good enough, they should have known it and they should have somebody in there who can carry the load. And we're going to find out the answers to all those questions because – you know, McClellan's hands are tight. He can't just ride, you know, Talbot 72, 73 games a year now. He's going to have to see what they've got. So, you know, about to get, you know this question's about to get answered. 
yeah, this is make or break for Lauren Brassois. Like this is the opportunity he's waiting for, um, and he's really gonna have to take it and run with it. And if he struggles, and then you go back in there and he struggles again, and then he struggles again, uh, he won't be the backup next year. I, I think this is a real good opportunity for him to kind of solidify that he's an NHL type goaltender. Like he's had good games and then bad games and good games and bad games. He's gonna have to put good games together back to back the team they said all the right things today about having confidence and that he's an NHL goaltender but it's not the same as having Cam Talbot back there and they all know it and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of try and rally around it whether they're a bit more defensive which is scary because they can't score goals right now so they're going to have to give him some run support so I don't know how you do that if you're a bit more defensive in front of your backup goalie uh, because you're probably not going to take as many risks as you would maybe if Cam Talbot was back there yeah and then they're like one two or three game losing streak away from this season being done so I mean the, the stakes are enormous so uh, I mean there's a lot a lot riding on what Lauren Bissois does in the next two weeks possibly longer yeah and you know, worst case scenario-ish you know let's say Talbot's out longer than two weeks and Bissois isn't exactly being that rocket net at what point in time does Peter Shirelli make a deal I don't know if it's goaltending or whatever but mm. Um, you know, the talk has been, you know, at least for the last few seasons, let's say, making a deal in November, December, forget it. It's hard to do. But we just had a couple today. Mm-hmm. Anaheim and New Jersey. Uh, the Rangers made a deal today as well. Was mm-hmm. Somewhat s- s- smaller deal yeah. when Adam Krapnell gets. That's right, Montreal. He's played in his, this was his third team he's played on, and it's only <laughs> it's the end of November <laughs> already. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, there are trades out there. And, yeah. uh be made you know I'm trying to find another goaltender if Laurent Bissau is not the answer I there aren't any other goalies out there you know the backups that, that people talk about they're not good enough to play on the teams that they're on Eddie Lacks and yeah. Andrew Hammonds and guys they're not good enough to be any, in the NHL so they're no better than yeah and if it gets to the point where like oh my goodness Bissau is no good that would have meant that they he lost a bunch of games and by that point I think a stopgap goalie would be too late for him so just kind of ride with what you've got. Uh, wait till Talbot comes back, and the trades would probably be, you know, moving Maroon or, or you know, sort of you get into that seller mode and trying to hate to say rebuild, but try and, and get yourself on a, on a different course for next season. You know, I was thinking about you know that New Jersey Anaheim trade today. You know, the principals being Adam Henrique, top six center, going to Anaheim, where they have Kessler and mm-hmm. Gatslaff out of the lineup. Their top two centers. Uh, you know, it's obviously they were dealing from a position of relative strength where they have excess blue liners, and the, the Devils needed one. Well, because, well, Larson is here now um, from last year. Um, at the same time, I mean, it's only one relatively big trade. Mm-hmm. It's not like these happen every week. But, you know, when, you know, if if the season starting to go, I mean, it has gone sideways already for the orders. But if it, it all of a sudden hits the hits the tank by Christmas, well, what's stopping you from, sh- you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it, this is a different words, age. Why wait with the, the NHL deadline? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you may as well start making these trades yeah. in January or December when a team would rather have a player for a couple of months and then decide whether they want to sign him or not, rather than trade the guy. You know, for six weeks. So yeah, yeah. you know, if you're an Oilers fan, I'm sure you don't want to go down that road to where they're dumping players like they've done so many times in the last eleven years, except for last year when they were trying to add. 
Well, well I had a gorilla in the room. It has been since last season, or uh, particularly when you know Drysaddle and McDavid have been cemented as basically your number one and two centers here for the next eight years. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a six million dollar contract. He he's playing. You know, he's right now he's one of the best offensive players on the team. And but isn't it, isn't this the time to sell him high? If you can. Yeah, I mean, fans at Edmonton are freaking out right now because they traded Hall and they traded Everly and they didn't like the return on either of those deals. And, you know, if you could snap your fingers and say, you know, you can have Larson, they'll take back Hall, and you can have Strome, they'll take back Everly, I think most people would, would do that, even though the Oilers need a defenseman. I think they, you know, I was I was in favor of trading Hall for a defenseman. I just thought they would get a more of a defenseman for him. But if he trades that, you know, the, the, the final guy from that uh, – that trio and 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 the returns aren't great and it doesn't help then what they've got nothing left to deal the cupboards are bare and they've got you know McDavid and and Dreisaitl and a bunch of Stroms and Camilleri's and Jujar Caras and uh, that's uh, not liking the look of that long term no uh, <laughs> you know that's always the catch 22 is you want to sell high and right now the the value of some of these guys like Maroon like Cassian you're never going to get rid of Lucic. That contract's going to be... It's already kind of a, an anchor for the Edmonton Oilers as it was a long contract for a guy that was probably on the tail end of his career. Uh, you're, you're paying him for what he did as opposed to what he's going to do. That's always the danger of, of giving a guy long-term contracts towards the end of his career. Um, but, yeah, right now, if you're not going to get fair return on Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and it's almost a, a deal that you almost have to fleece another GM... Um, because you can't keep making deals like, like you said, giving Everly away, giving Hall away, and, and getting these—I don't say marginal players, but getting players that do not provide the same type of of offensive flair that those other players do. You can't keep giving away offense and not getting it back. And I think uh, that's something that the Oilers have, have been doing with these players. They're trying to um, provide fill other gaps in the lineup by getting these players but you can't keep giving away goals and I think if you do that with Ryan Nugent Hopkins right now who are you going to get to replace him who are you going to get you're not, not going to get a better third line center in the league than Ryan Nugent Hopkins right now that can move up and play second line and even first line if you, if you needed him to um, I can't see the return on Ryan Nugent Hopkins being better than the player right now so if the Oilers gave him up uh, it would have to be a spectacular deal or else yeah. I can't but see it's going to have to be a spectacular deal no matter when that happens yeah. Well, I think they, they, I think they will start moving parts like Maroon, like Cassian, like uh-huh. other spare parts to try and get to that down to that number. And I think they're hoping there there be someone in the system that can come up and replace them. And that's what you need. And that's what the owners haven't had. You need those guys that are on their entry level contracts to fill some of those roles, and they haven't had those guys. So, you know, this the system was supposed to be the draft system was supposed to be so much better now that they got rid of all their scouts and they revamped mm-hmm. their scouting staff. But we're not seeing that right now. We're not yeah. seeing any benefits of that. I right don't now. think and you trade you, like the trade you brought up Vatanen. <laughs> They made the trade because Brandon Montour played in the playoffs last year and was as good as Vatanen and the same sort of player. So they had somebody as good as Vatanen, so they made the trade. If you trade Nugent Hopkins, they're saying, okay, who's as good as Nugent Hopkins here? Mm-hmm. Unless you fill an other hole with an outstanding offensive defenseman who shoots right or something like that yeah. uh, for Nugent Hopkins. But I can guarantee you the Oilers have not phoned one team this year and said, what about Nugent Hopkins? Well, it, it hasn't happened. Now, teams have maybe called, but from the person I talked to, they have, that has not happened, and so they're sold on them, and uh, they're probably sold on them for next year too because 
the players that are unrestricted free agents, I think they'd rather trade, you know, and get a younger player back for some of those players and uh, and fit Nugent Hopkins in either as a winger on one of the top mm-hmm. six top six or uh, third line center. Well, here's how, here's how that trade call would go. They'd be like, okay, we've we've just hang up the phone. We just traded Nugent Hopkins, and okay, all right. Now, what do we do about replacing Nugent Hopkins? Because we need a guy who can play second line center because McClellan's in love with the McDavid dry sidle. They're all they're desperately short of decent forwards as it is. And if you trade one of your three, you know, your 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 cupboards are are very very bare. And you you need center depth, and that's the thing they've been preaching all all season. And they have it now. They just don't have any decent wingers to go with it. They're you got guys like Camilleri and and whatever, you know, playing up in those positions. So I think you have to be really really careful about getting rid of a guy who's a good player. Like, you know, okay, he's playing good. Let's get rid of him. I'm, I'm not sure the Oilers can, can go down that road right now. I don't know what road they can go down because they don't have a, a lot of – you look through that roster, who do you want other than, you know, their, their four or five decent players? Like I, I, I think if they've they got to get more offense, they're probably thinking, okay, Darnell Nurse has played quite well this year. Benning's had some games where he's been really good and some that were not really good. But if he looks like a player, he's another good young player. Secker is here for like another three or four years. Uh, Larson is. Um, Russell is. Maybe they trade Clefbaum. Maybe they trade Clefbaum for a forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and instead, they say, oh, he's a young defenseman and, and we've got defensemen on the minors. That's, that's their strength in the organization now is all the young defensemen they've got as opposed to young forwards coming. So... If, but I wouldn't be trading Nugent Hopkins in a heartbeat. Would right you trade now. their first pick this year? Uh, it depends what player you would get. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. include it you in have the to deal. lottery. Protect them though. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to lottery protect it. Well, it's going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lottery pick. I, I think part of the situation too is that I don't think when you talk about selling high, you sell when your player is not going to get any better. For example. Horkoff when he came off his all-star year, that's when the owner should have traded him mm-hmm. instead of giving him $7 million a year because that's as good as he was going to get. I think Nugent Hopkins is still going to get better. I, I don't think he's reached his ceiling, so I don't think you're not trading him high yet. And I think also the Oilers also have a habit of overvaluing their players and thinking that they're better than they are and that they're they're appreciated highly, higher around the league than they are. And people kind of outside the organization see what they have. But Nugent Hopkins right now would be a an attractive player for a lot of teams because he's getting better and he still has uh, he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. Well, he, ha- he has a good defensive base too. Like yeah, he's finally got winning some faceoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny if you talk to pro scouts last year, they all say the same. What's going on with Nugent Hopkins? Where does game go? This year they're all looking at him, going, "Oh, he looks pretty good." Yeah. So suddenly it's been a total flip flop from last year to this year with the perception of him not just in Edmonton but around the league with the. The scouts and stuff that watch the Oilers play—they're thinking it just looks more like the first year Nugent Hopkins, and he's only 24 years old. So, and I think they also see Nugent Hopkins, the Oilers, playing on the wing if he's not playing center. Mm -hmm. If if they want to put Drysaddle at center, so trading him, I I just don't. Yeah, I still I I still like his upside because he spent a lot of time just working on the defensive part of his game. So the offense sagged, and everybody thought, okay, this is a lot of money to be paying for a guy who doesn't generate much offense and. Now that he has that bedrock in place, he's sort of flourishing again offensively, and it's like, oh, okay, this this guy could be a, a really good, complete player for, for you know, a few a lot of years to come yet. So yeah, I, I, he might be a guy that I'd hang on to. So, 
you know, assuming this cold flu thing in the, in the dressing room, because I'm sold on that idea being the problem. Um, you know, Kajula and everybody else who's not playing up to their potential. Um, you know, a deal like the one that uh, surely, you know, the Jokinen for Camilleri trade, obviously you're hoping that something like that or maybe one of your players coming out of their funk is the spark that sparks your team. I mean, you know, Camilleri has more offensive upside. Of course you're hoping he would be plugged in on, a, say, with McDavid or on the top six. And, hey, you know, provide that goal scoring that you're not seeing right now. Of course, that's got to be what any GM or coach wants to see. Yeah, and I think Camilleri, he has that offensive upside, but I think he has to be played in certain spots. He's not a guy that you can move up and down the lineup. And um, to me, with the whole signing of, of Jokin, and I thought it was it was a calculated risk. I thought it was a good risk. This is a guy that was making $4 million a year was bought out and now you got him for a million dollars so it's almost like you got a four million dollar player for a million dollars it didn't work out because I, th- I just think that one he didn't know where he, where he fit here and then the coaches didn't know where to use him and so and then they were lacking offense and he wasn't providing any so Cavalier is a guy that can provide offense but you have to put him in certain situations to do that and you have to do that at expense of a guy like Pugliarvi of a guy like Kajula of some of your younger players I think that's the issue right now is that you got to take the ice time away from those younger players so a veteran can excel. And I think uh, the answer to that is no today uh, because he's a healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. If he was, if he'd played seven games for the Oilers, had five points or something like that, you'd say, okay, he's got the sport. We're not taking him out of the lineup. I don't even care. I don't care what younger player I, I want to play. If he had was putting up lots of numbers, they'd be saying he's playing every game and he's going to be playing in the top six, but he's got two assists in seven games. So I think for the Oilers, it's an easy sit out right now. It might only be for one game, mm-hmm. depending on, on you know how the Oilers do um, against the Leafs. So, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, that's that's one one general manager saying, okay, Camilleri didn't work with us. We signed him this summer as an under, as a as a free agent. Didn't work with us. Maybe he'll work for you, and you sign Jokinen. Didn't work for you. Maybe he'll work for us. I mean, that's two general managers getting together and saying, okay, we'll take our. 34-year-old, 35-year-old, we'll, you, you, you can have ours and see how it works. and yeah. That's a risk. But, it, you know, often it, it turns out that even though both players are 900-game NHL players, they don't have a lot left. So no. you're, not, you don't, you're not seeing a whole lot of, of, of success over a long period of time. You might see a little bit of taste for a while, but not over, not over the long haul. Yeah, Camilleri's not going to come in and... and fix things for you I was knew that before they even announced the trade like you know you know you're, you're, you're taking Jokin in for him how good can he be right so and it's kind of as advertised I think so looking ahead here obviously we're looking at you know how long Talbot will be out but thinking about the next even half dozen games uh, you know of course Edmonton plays Toronto tonight Calgary on Saturday they're off on a three game road trip you know Montreal Toronto again Columbus. Um, how critical is this next couple of weeks for this team? I think this is it. Like if they don't get it together now, starting like now, they're done. Like they're, you're not going to recover from, you know, going two and four, or, you know, three and three. Just three and three might still buy you a little time. Buy you so. time. Then there's still only three games under 500. And I think the orders are fortunate this year that the the teams in their own division are not playing. Certainly, Anaheim said the injuries are not where they normally would be. San Jose's 
okay. Uh, Vegas is one of the teams to figure off. Vegas will drop out of it. Yeah. Vancouver's, you know, not awesome. So, and, you know, Arizona's certainly not very good. Uh, and L.A. is backed off a little bit. So they're, they're fortunate that three really good te- three teams haven't lit it up and are all 14 and 6, and they're going, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. These teams are claiming the first three spots, and then we're not even 500. They're fortunate that a eh, third of the league is 500 or a little below or a little above, and they're as long as they can stay within three games of 500, maybe they get something going. But if you're regular with Rob, if suddenly they're five games under 500, forget it. No, they they can't have any more slumps for for a long time until you know if they if they go you know 14 and six or something over a stretch, then you have a little a little room for error. But right now, you know, they lose three in a row. I think that might be that that might do it. I think the one thing the Oilers do have going for them, though, is that they haven't played a lot of divisional games this year. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to catch your divisional opponents, you need to play against them. And I think right now, that's the one thing that they can look at and say, well, we haven't played San Jose. We haven't played Anaheim. We haven't played Vancouver uh, just the one time. We played Calgary the one time. We played Vegas just once. So if they can kind of crawl and scratch their way up to that 500 mark, uh, and then you have a lot of divisional opponents, then you can make up some ground. Had they played a lot of divisional opponents, uh, then it's tough to make up ground because especially when you have the one-point games, is, is you go out there, you win, and you only make up one point. And So now they're in a situation where, yeah, when they do get to that point where they're playing a lot of these uh, divisional opponents, they're going to have to win them outright. They're going to have to win them in regulation. They can't give up a point, and that's how you're going to make up ground. So they still have the op- opportunity to make up ground, but they got to get on level footing, and level mm-hmm. footing right now is 500. Yeah, I just worry that there being six teams ahead of you. Every night, one of those teams is winning, and when they play each other, there's a 100% chance somebody ahead of you is getting points, and you win two in a row, and then these guys get hot, and these guys get hot, and it's like I was saying earlier, you're playing whack-a-mole. Somebody ahead of you is always winning. When they're playing each other, you know, that's three-point games on occasion. It's just you know, you could put together a really good run, but you're at the mercy of, of six teams. And sometimes, you know, they get hot too. They, you know, they play each other, so somebody's winning for sure. It's just, it's, it's a lot of fires that you have to put out at the same time. So they just, the only answer is they, they have to get hot. They got to get going, and it has to be right right away, if not right now. They're unfortunately, Anaheim's had all those injuries, and the Oilers don't play them until January. Yeah. Everybody else has been playing Anaheim except the Oilers. They don't play the team they played in the playoffs last year until January, which is halfway through the season. I don't know how the schedule that works that way, but that's the way it is. Well, we've got 25 games. I think they played two divisional opponents. Yeah, that's they ridiculous. Played Calgary and Vancouver, Vegas, Arizona. Arizona. But only four of 25, though. That's not very four many. That's, that's nuts, yeah. yeah. They're three yeah. and one against their own division. So they, they've, they've been fine against their own division, but they played so many games against the East. Mm-hmm. Got all those games out of the way. Yeah. I did forget they are playing Philadelphia at home before right. that trip. So Philadelphia was, what, nine losses in a row? Yeah. I, I hope Philadelphia comes here with the same coaching staff because Dave Haxtell's from Warburg and – Chris Knobloch played for the Bears and coached Connor McDavid, so I hope he's have the same coaching staff when they get here. Got to have some storylines. God knows Philadelphia never fires their coaches. <laughs> How many they go through goalies and coaches yeah. pretty regularly? Graveyard. Well, you know Ed Schneider's no longer no longer with us, but I don't know who is always pulling the trigger there. Was it Ed himself or Ronnie Hextall is not pulling the trigger? 
Well, who's going to pull the trigger on Ron? I know that there's one person forever grateful to Ed Snyder, and that's Ilya Brizgalov, who'll be paid, yeah, who's paid fifty million dollars to play golf for about a year and a bit. Yeah. A bit. <laughs> that was a nice contract. Well, I was, you know, I was going to talk about Pacific Division having had hardly any games against them yet, but we should probably wrap this up because I know Rob's parking <laughs> is expiring any moment now. Eight minutes. <laughs> Anyways, I was going to ask you: Is it going to be Schwartz's in Montreal or no? Uh, what's the name of Dunn's? No, no, and I go to uh, uh, Rubens. It's right, it's right around the thing, and oh. you get the poutine with the with the smoke smoke meat on top of it. It doesn't sound like it works, but it works. Oh. It's <laughs> and you gain five pounds, and you leave. You, the do, restaurant? you literally do. It's, it's and I go there like every day, and then I leave there thinking, okay, now you got you got. To and then go. he has the couple of hot dogs at a game too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, poutine with the Montreal smoked meat over top of it. In Montreal. Yeah, it's sitting right at the thing. They know me there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's kind of like the Cheers oh. bar when Norm walks yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> what is Rob en français, anyways? No. Robert. Robert, I think, yeah. All right, thanks. Thanks, right. gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to our show on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.